Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WrestleCast review of Friday Night Smackdown. I'm Shozy. Hello, I'm Joe. And together, our tag team brings to you the latest updates and results from Friday Night Smackdown. And this week's episode started off with one of my favorite talk show segments on WWE, Miz TV with The Miz and John Morrison and their special guest of the night, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed this episode of Miz TV. I think The Miz and John Morrison have really slipped into their groove and gone up a gear, particularly since their rivalry with Braun Strowman. They really found themselves, I think, and they've been running that high ever since. John Morrison and The Miz were kind of digging the knife in about Jeff and his former addiction problem. They showed a clip with reruns of the rivalry between Jeff and Seamus, which I absolutely love because we got to see Jeeves, my favorite character from last week's SmackDown. We got the replay. Poor old Jeeves, poor Jeff Hardy, a glass of champagne, and then got Swanton bombed for the pleasure. So, yes, it was always good to see Jeeves. That got a big thumbs up from me. They just rubbed salt in the wound. And I really loved Jeff's retort. Jeff Hardy is just on fire when it comes to character work and promo at the moment. He was very relaxed. He was silent beautifully. He didn't say a lot, but what he said was great. He said that he wants to be a beacon of light for people, that change is possible and hope is real. If you're not over as a baby face after saying change is possible, hope is real, you're never going to be. It was really good for me. What did you think? Jeff Hardy for President 2024. Can you imagine Jeff Hardy runs against Kanye West in a presidential election? <laughs> Oh boy, that would be... I can't imagine a rapper versus High Flyer. Yeah, I can see Jeff one time and Kanye through a table or something at the live debates. Bring it on. I mean, I'm all for it. I love the <laughs> spectacle that is American politics. <laughs> well, Kanye did say he's going to turn the White House into Wakanda, so Jeff Hardy versus Kanye West in Wakanda would be fun. Wow. Well, speaking of fantasy matches, this is the way that the segment would go. The Miz and Morrison actually baited... Jeff Hardy into accepting a bar fight with Sheamus at Extreme Rules, which I thought was genius because it works on so many levels. These guys just want to fight. It's not really about wrestling anymore. They just want to fight one another. And Sheamus has been doing his little pitch from his home bar. And obviously, Jeff Hardy struggled with alcohol addiction. Jeff even referenced saying it was like a two-on-one handicap match, which I thought was great. And then he went on to say, oh, you didn't think you could mock me to my face? not get punched in yours, and then attack the Miz, John Morrison. Honestly, I felt like raising my cup of tea and cheersing for every time a talk show segment kind of cascades into violence. I was watching the segment and I said to myself that Joe must be enjoying this very unpredictable talk show segment ending as a brawl. To be honest, like I could have gone, made a cup of tea, made a little snack, because I knew where it's going. Everyone knows where it's going. Whenever there's a talk show segment, you know it's going to end in a fight. So you've got a bit of time to prepare yourself. And that's what I did. I got comfy. I got settled in for what I thought was actually a half-decent match between Jeff Hardy and The Miz. It was quite strike-based, more so than I thought it would be, to be honest, because these guys are, for me, more traditional wrestlers when it comes to moveset. So it was a bit strikey. Some good storytelling. Each superstar really dug deep into their arsenal particularly towards the end where we saw some real signature moves from both competitors. What did you make of this one? This one was quite a good story for me because it tells you that The Miz and Morrison tried to wedge themselves into something that they didn't belong in and they managed to tick off Jeff Hardy. And that's exactly what The Miz said during his talk show. I want to find out what makes Jeff Hardy tick. 
And that's exactly what happened in this match. He got Jeff Hardy to tick. He got Jeff Hardy angry. And then he suffered at the hands of Jeff Hardy. So it was good to see that they were really working up that quick story of building up each other and then building up the entire bar fight. Absolutely. They did a really good job of making something out of nothing. Because if you think about it, Morrison and Miz were kind of linked with Matt Riddle last week when Morrison went head-to-head against Matt Riddle. So to move them from that scene to this scene, which they've had really nothing to do with, and integrate them so effectively, I thought was a really good job done because a lot of the time we see things like this and it just appears very random and you're like, why is this even happening? But the promo before worked so well that it sewed together the pieces beautifully. But what really got my attention during this match was the fact that Seamus appeared over your favorite video calling platform, Zoom. Yay! (laughs) Seamus appeared on the Tron trying to distract Jeff Hardy, and we saw that Jeff Hardy was on the top rope ready to hit a swanton bomb on the Miz, but he got off the top rope. Miz tried to take advantage of this distraction, rolled Jeff Hardy up, but Jeff reversed it into a roll-up of his own, and won the match, rolled right out of the ring, and you could see Seamus on the screen just shaking his head. I'm not a huge fan of video interruptions of a match. I just think it destroys the momentum. But they kind of got away with it. You're right, it looked like Jeff was going to end it with a swanton, and then the video interruption was actually failed because Jeff got the win. And to be honest, I thought it worked. Again, personally, it's not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate a job well done, and I think it went over. I've got to say, though, I think Jeff Hardy is looking awesome at the moment. He's looking as good as I've seen him for ages. I mean, even when he had his US title run, when they first broke Matt and Jeff up, when they returned after their little tag team title streak, I thought, yeah, he looks okay, but now I think he's really found a new gear. I think he's doing so well. I know he talks about coming to the end of his career a lot, but I think he's still got a lot left to give. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Jeff Hardy still has a lot to give to this business, despite his physical issues. He described saying that he doesn't really have feelings in his hands anymore or his legs, but he's still going for it and he's still trying to make everything work. And you can see it's going really well after what we are getting to see with him and Seamus. I'm really looking forward to their match at Extreme Rules, their bar fight that was then later made official. I think that's going to be a good one. I'm really excited for Extreme Rules. And I think it's worth saying just now that even though this was a good start to the episode, the rest of it kind of felt a little bit stagnant. I kind of feel like we're ready for Extreme Rules now. It could be this weekend. And they're just kind of waiting to pull the trigger. Temperatures are pretty high with all of the rivalries that we're going to see come to a head. So I almost feel like it's a week too late. Normally at this point, time things are reaching a fever pitch and like I say it's time to pull the trigger and I feel like that time is now so the rest of the show for me kind of flattened out a bit saying that I don't mean these guys Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura for me I think had a great show we saw them next they were backstage with an interview the interview said how do you feel after causing an upset against the New Day the last couple of weeks And they basically said, how can you call us winning an upset? We've got former Intercontinental Champion, US Champion, former Tag Team Champion. How can you call that an upset? And I thought it was a really great interview. They really hyped up the intensity, saying that they're sick of the New Day, eating cereal and throwing out pancakes. I was really, really keen for their match. And I was really excited at the start of the show when we find out that later we would then see them battle for the Tag Team titles. What are you making of Cesaro and Shinsuke at the moment? 
I'm kind of leaning towards them winning the tag titles because mm-hmm. after what we're getting to see and after what we've seen for the past couple of weeks, I think that there's an extremely strong chance that both of them can dethrone the New Day and control the tag team division. Absolutely. I think they've proven their salt in terms of being a formidable tag team. And they've done a good job considering that they kind of came out of a bizarre kind of triangle with Sami Zayn, where Cesaro kind of just left the bar, didn't have a reason for anything particularly. And then Sami got injured and they were just kind of still together through a mutual friend, as it were. Sometimes it's a bit awkward and you kind of say, oh, well, I better go now. But these guys made it work. And I think they deserve to win the tag team titles. I think it will change the scene up. And if they can deliver promos like that, I'm happy to see the belts go to them at Extreme Rules. Speaking of tag teams, Bailey and Sasha Banks would make an appearance next, coming down the ramp for their match against... <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh, just getting so choked up. <laughs> for their match against Nikki and Alexa Bliss. But we wouldn't even get to see them make an entrance because they got ambushed by Nikki Cross from behind. They definitely did. And Bailey got the worst of it as Nikki Cross jumped onto Bailey's back and kind of put up a sleeper hold or crazy hold, as I'd like to call it with Nikki Cross. But nevertheless, we saw Alexa come out and help Nikki Cross by taking out Sasha Banks on the ramp. And from there, we got to see the match take place between Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And I personally thought this match was a pretty good statement going into Extreme Rules because Nikki was clearly taking out all that built-up frustration over the past few weeks on Bailey. You could see that she was doing her very best to make sure that she looks like the strongest competitor going into this. And she gives Bailey a warning that you do not want to mess with me or take me easy at Extreme Rules. Absolutely. What I love is that Nikki's found that scrappy, striking style again. And like I say, it's more about launching an assault on Bailey than it is having a technical wrestling match. There were some real glimmers of what we might see at Extreme Rules with Nikki taunting Bailey, holding the belt, teasing her. There was a moment when Bailey and Banks were shouting at the commentary team and Nikki appeared behind them, posing with the belt, moved just in time for Alexa to deliver like a jumping double kick through the ropes, which I thought was good. I think we're definitely going to see interferences and the tag team aspect come into play in that title match anyway. So if they can work together as a unit like that, then yeah, keep it coming. Bailey would actually then score the win eventually with a roll-up after Nikki kicked Sasha Banks, putting her out of action. Bailey would actually roll Nikki up and get the win in a sneaky Bailey-esque way. I thought it went the right way, to be honest. Bit surprised Nikki got pinned. I thought maybe they might pin Alexa, but I guess it's more of a statement, isn't it? saying that Nikki needs to pay attention and stay focused during her singles match. I felt like this was more of a match between Billy and Nikki rather than a tag team match. And Sasha and Alexa were just there to support their partners because we didn't see much of Sasha versus Nikki or Alexa versus Billy in this. We just mainly saw the rivalry between Billy and Nikki heat up even more. And especially after the way Billy pinned Nikki by putting her legs on the ropes and getting that heel win. It just goes on to build up that story more. So I feel like Sasha and Alexa were more of the supporting roles in this match. Yeah, definitely. And it makes sense to have them in that way with the build-up to Extreme Rules. The focus is purely on Bailey versus Nikki at the moment. And like I mentioned last week, they're doing a really good job at making it look like Nikki could win it. We've agreed that she probably won't, but 
in terms of storytelling and keeping the question alive, then they're doing a good job. I know what you mean about Alexa and Sasha being on the sidelines a bit, but like I say, this isn't their story to tell. They're just kind of secondary characters. Um, I think we'll see them come into the limelight in the future. Sasha's got her singles title match against Oscar at Extreme Rules. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Alexa go back into the fold in terms of single competition going forward. But for now, I think they were booked right, played out nicely, and I'm excited for their match at the pay-per-view next week. Speaking of pay-per-view matches, we would then see a replay of Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman at Money in the Bank. We've seen replays before. During the Undertaker tribute show, we saw the Boneyard match, which I guess made more sense. This just felt like they were filling time. I know everyone's dealing with Corona in different ways, but they have got the depth when it comes to the roster. Did they need to show this entire match? I don't think so. And to be very honest, this wasn't really one of my favorite matches because it was just, in my opinion, a squash match. Braun Strowman just beating the hell out of Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt just being taken out as a character even more. Because over the years, we've seen that Bray Wyatt, whatever character he's built up, whatever character he's turned into, it's just literally been wiped off the face of WWE. Even now, we haven't really seen The Fiend. We haven't really seen Bray Wyatt as himself. He's had to transition back into the Eater of Worlds to kind of rejuvenate that character. But I don't really see how this is going to help him, especially after the character he's going for now was wiped off his slate a few years ago. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think they can get away with it, though. Obviously, the Firefly Funhouse presenter Bray Wyatt, that persona is the loser. And I think it's clever because then he can be the Fiend still and not lose, which is really good because the Fiend needs to be unstoppable. He needs to be like Demon Finn Balor, almost unbeatable kind of thing. But who are you putting over then? Are you putting over Bray Wyatt? Because you showed this match, which was Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. It wasn't Braun Strowman versus The Fiend. The Fiend had nothing to do with this. So are you trying yeah. to put The Fiend over as a character? Or are you trying to make sure that Bray Wyatt as a person and character keeps getting that push forward? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's about putting over the guy who's going to win. So putting Braun Strowman over for a start. I'm putting over the story because if The Fiend is just invincible, you can't be invincible forever. It gets really boring. You've got to be willing to work matches, take a three count. I remember listening to uh, the Steve Austin podcast. I was listening to a replay recently where he was talking to Samoa Joe. They were both talking about how at times in their career, they've looked unstoppable and immortal in many ways. But they've said, hey, you know, I have no problem with lying down for someone if it's what's best for business. And I think in terms of being best for business and elongating stories, adding different dynamics and giving Bray Wyatt, particularly the Fiend character, even more worth by having his alter ego TV presenter Bray Wyatt, having him lose is the best thing for business. I agree with you, this match wasn't the best match. It was a boring squash match, to be honest. There was a couple of flashes like the mask crushing where he had the black sheep mask and crushed that. That was kind of cool. And if anything, it also showed that WWE is so much better now with the NXT crowd because this match was pre-NXT crowd and it was like deathly silent. So there was no atmosphere. You couldn't feel that emotive response that you get by just having a few guys around the ring, just having a few of the NXT roster around the ring to create some atmosphere. It could have been a recap video clip, to be honest. I don't think we needed the full match. I know they're struggling at the moment in terms of having to quarantine people, but hey, I know 
we would go on to see someone like AJ Styles in an interview backstage. But if he's fit, like why isn't he wrestling this week? Or if you've got other guys that are fit, give them a match. If anything, now is the time to give those guys an opportunity. Not replay a match from like a month ago that most hardcore WWE fans have seen. Money in the Bank was ages ago now. So even if you don't subscribe to the network, you've probably seen it on YouTube or however you guys watch wrestling. Yeah, it was a bit of a wasted opportunity, I felt anyway but less about that the better i mean we're not going to sit here and review the money in the bank pay-per-view it is what it is it was what it was i'm moving forward i am excited about this match i'm excited about bray wyatt and braun Strowman. are you i definitely am i want to see how they managed to pull this off in a swamp with <laughs> so many characteristics being at play and so many expectations from us because when you expect swamp you expect dangerous alligators whatever crazy yeah. stuff now you have braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt in the phrase. It's Florida, so there are going to be gators. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> I used to live in Florida, actually, and we used to go kayaking around various swamps. I'm surprised we didn't see Bray Wyatt, to be honest. And the gators are just swimming alongside you. You know, like when you're grocery shopping and you there's two people both going towards the Greek yogurt or something and your trolleys are both parallel, going at the same speed. It's like that. I'm like, oh, hello, you know, tipping my hat. <laughs> <laughs> It's really unnerving. So if I was those guys heading into a swamp match, I would be a little wary about what I'm going into. I definitely would be wary as well, and I would stay as far away as I could from this. But moving on to a much more happier and funnier segment, we mm. saw the New Day backstage being interviewed, asked what they thought about Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Kofi said that they've never underestimated them. They are former champions, great competitors, and they will do whatever it takes to remain the tag team champions. And to back that up, Big E gave us a dance, gave us a chant, and was just being absolutely one of the most funniest people I've seen all night. Yeah, he's larger than life, isn't he? The pair of them did a really good job here. I love how they do this. They've been doing this New Day thing for what, six years, I think they said. But it's still fun. Like, I'm not bored of it. They do a good job at being silly, but also being tough at the same time. That's a really fine line. There was a lot of energy here. A really nice setup for the match. Obviously, we'd had Shinsuke and Cesaro before, so now it was time to get a bit of balance and hear from the New Day. And yeah, I think it did everything it needed to do, and I was excited for the main event. But before we got the main event we would have the joy of the first ever SmackDown Live karaoke showdown. I saw the promo for this, and I literally put my hands in my head and said, what the hell is going on, SmackDown? Right. You were going so well. Why did you have to kill all of that? And I absolutely saw no point in having this segment when you could have four of these women go up in a match against each other. Which they yeah. could have pulled off much better because we know mm -hmm. that they're better competitors in the ring. They have history and they could be absolutely amazing. It just seemed really outdated, didn't it? It just seemed like, oh, I'm the best singer. No, I'm the best singer. It was more like girls in a playground than the athletes that we know these women are. It just seemed a little a waste. Would the WWE have run that same segment with four male superstars? That was my question, and I think we probably all know the answer. I was just surprised they didn't do this in an actual karaoke bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might have pulled off better. Like, don't get me wrong, WWE, they try some crazily cheesy stuff sometimes, and it works a treat. There's pro wrestling, there's the wrestling side of pro wrestling, of course there is, but I personally feel that there is 
room for a bit of cheeky, cheesy entertainment. Some of the most memorable things have been not to do with wrestling at all, like G-Generation X's bus being blown up or whatever, or filling Vince McMahon's car with concrete. Absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. Kurt Angle squirting milk at people in the ring. But there's loads of room for creative cheese like that, but there's no room for this. <laughs> Speaking of having no room for this, we saw Jay Uso, who had absolutely nothing to do with this. Why was Jay Uso there? Why are you there, Jay Uso? Are you lost? <laughs> Jay Uso was the host of this karaoke showdown. He explained that each woman would have 45 seconds to perform their favorite theme song. From there, we saw Lacey sing Jeff Jarrett's theme song, which I thought was not too bad. It was all right. Then we had Dana sing the Honky Tonk Man's theme song. I loved her moves, by the way. Her Elvis moves were on point. Vocals, not so much. I felt like Simon Cowell. I was like, reviewing it. I was like, you know, you've not made it to Hollywood, I'm afraid. It's like American Idol. I was sitting there at this point and I said, does Ryan Seacrest need to be here? And does he need to ask Katy Perry if any of these women are going to Hollywood? Precise. I felt like I had a real missed opportunity. I wish I had an office chair that I could spin around on. You know, like on The Voice, where they start with the backs of the contestants, and then if they're good, they spin around. I just spent the entire segment going, God, I wish I had an office chair, because that would have made it twice as entertaining as it was. Because whilst I can't fault anyone's performance in terms of committing to it, it was just rubbish, wasn't it? In the UK, we'd say it's very naff. A cheap effort at doing something. That's what naff means. And this next theme song... Performed by Tamina, I had left my couch and said, I'm done with this. Performed Triple H's theme song with the lyrics playing in the background and her just doing God knows what. I don't even know what to say to this one. <laughs> it's such a shame because it's one of the best wrestling theme songs ever. We're talking about Motorhead here. One of the best bands of all time. And then there's Tamina's version. It was, I guess you could say it was a bit over her head. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. We almost made it a whole show without wordplay. <laughs> almost. Oh, um, but it's a shame because she didn't really get a chance to sing. She just kind of said, Time to play the game. And then laughed. Afterwards, though, we saw Naomi. It was all right. She had a good voice, some epic dance moves. She sang Dusty Rhodes' theme tune. It was actually all right, to be honest. I think Lacey Evans and Naomi had the most decent performances of the night on this yeah. segment. And we did see Jay. Uso be kind of biased here, and he let Naomi go over that 45-second limit. You were counting, were you there with your stopwatch? (laughs) I was definitely counting. (laughs) The shorter this segment was, the happier I would have been. But in the end, we got to see Naomi win. I'm calling bias Mm. from Jey Uso on this. And Lacey Evans was ticked off at this point and attacked Naomi. She did. Now, I was thinking, I don't know what you think, Whether there's an element of controversy, whether it's some kind of indirect jab by WWE to use Dusty Rhodes, obviously is very sentimental to everyone in the wrestling industry. But knowing that obviously Sun Cody and Dustin are over running AEW, do you think there was something there just to kind of say, we've still got the Rhodes name? Naomi would say, oh, you know, we miss you, Dusty, and we love you, which was kind of nice. But... I don't know. I mean, why Dusty Rhodes? Anytime that they mention Dusty or they mention the Rhodes family, there is a bit of controversy or potential for controversy. What do you think? 
I went both ways saying that this could probably just be a remembrance of Dusty Rhodes, but seeing that Kenny Omega or Adam Page, who took a shot at WWE after Firefest. So I think this is a shot back at AEW for going after WWE. Dusty Rhodes is one of the most prolific performers, wrestlers, yeah. pioneers in wrestling. Mm. He is one of the biggest reasons that NXT is what it is today. And I don't know, they could have deviated from that path they could have gone the other way they could have picked up someone else and gone with their theme song but i was kind of divided on this but anyway it's said and done and i just hope they don't pull this off into a rivalry by pulling in people who are not here anymore well, speaking of NXT, one of NXT's brightest stars, Naomi, she came up to the NXT system. She would then go one-on-one with Lacey Evans in an impromptu match, which, again, was about as entertaining as the karaoke showdown. It didn't last very long. They were in and out of the ring before the other two, Tamina and Dana Brooke, got involved, and the whole match was just thrown out, essentially. Lacey went outside angrily, pushed Dana, pushed Tamina, and they came back in the ring, attacked Lacey, and it all just escalated from there. I was over it at this point. I was thinking, should I jump on Deliveroo? Should I order something? Because like, my mind was just not in the show at all. I wanted 30 minutes of my life back. I don't think it was a 30-minute segment. There might have been a chair through my television if it was a 30-minute segment. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes would have been enough for what I had spent thinking about this, watching this, and then thinking about this again, saying that I should not have watched this and I want 30 minutes of my life back. Yeah, like compensation. Do you think there's wrestling TV court where like, you can go and be like, this segment was garbage, I want that time back? I guess they're going to need to bring back Hornswoggle so we can go back to the little people's court. Yes, yes. Bringing back Hornswoggle is never a bad idea. <laughs> Right after this, we got to see someone light up this dull segment. In a backstage interview, AJ Styles, he was asked about how he's working to be a champion, to which he replied with saying that he's going to be a champion for a very long time, and he's keeping the title no matter what. But that's when he was informed that he was going to face Matt Riddle next week in a championship match, which completely changed his demeanor, and he could see that he was angry. Indeed, it was a really good promo. We just talked about how he wiped the floor with Drew Gulak, which technically he did, and how he was Daniel Bryan's coach. So if that's what Daniel Bryan aspires to, then AJ has nothing to worry about. And then, like you say, yeah, his face really changed when he found out that he'd be facing Riddle, who beat AJ Styles a few weeks back when he made his SmackDown debut. Sold. I'm already watching SmackDown now. It's going to be great, isn't it? Although I am worried about Matt Riddle's frostbitten toes. For someone who can't wear shoes, he can sure deliver kicks. I'm a bit worried about his toes now. I'm worried about AJ Styles losing his cool and losing his head with those kicks. And to be honest, I'm looking forward to this match in the sense that I know that AJ Styles isn't going to lose the championship, but mm. does this mean that we're deviating from that path of Baron Corbin and Matt Riddle into a rivalry of AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle? Mm. I'm sold on this storyline if it goes ahead. I'm already sold on this match. I personally don't think the Baron Corbin thing is over. I think Baron Corbin will probably interfere next week. AJ will get a cheeky win and celebrate himself, and then maybe Riddle versus Corbin at Extreme Rules. That could be a possibility, but does it also 
pop into your head that we could get a triple threat if Baron Corbin interferes just to have that added element and added surprise to the mix because if AJ Styles goes on to Extreme Rules and says that I'll defend my title against Baron Corbin and Matt Riddle because I know I'm the best champion you're going to get and there's no way I'm losing this does it make you think that that could happen or we could see AJ Styles interfere somehow Potentially, I'd sure like to see AJ Styles at Extreme Rules. That would really be the icing on the cake of what's shaping up to be quite an attractive pay-per-view in my eyes. And speaking of something that would, I think is going to cascade into Extreme Rules, our main event of the evening, the Tag Team Championship match, the New Day versus Cesaro Nakamura. For me, this was great until the end, but it was a really good match. A lot of early dominance from Cesaro and Shinsuke. They were all over the New Day. A really quick start out of the trap from Kofi, but it wasn't enough. He'd be on the receiving end of some real punishment from Shinsuke and Cesaro. I thought they looked really, really strong until it all just came too much. They couldn't help themselves. They couldn't abide by the rules. And the ref actually threw the match out because the competitors were not tagging in and out. They were just getting in and really giving hell to one another. What did you make of this one? I love this match, and I think yeah. it's the perfect way going into Extreme Rules to have the story build up even more, push this story further, and have us more excited to watch this when it comes to Extreme Rules next week. And the moveset both teams have is absolutely phenomenal. I yeah. love the way that they use their movesets. I love the way that they use their different abilities that they have going into different situations. And the particularly favorite part of this match for me was when Big E launched Kofi Kingston outside the ring. And Kofi attempted to take out both Shinsuke and Cesaro. But as soon as he came down onto the ground, Cesaro hit Kofi with an insane uppercut midair. I screamed at that point. And I was literally on the edge of my couch saying, give me more. Give me more. You sound like Ryback. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was great. The dynamic was awesome. I said the thing before about the end not being great just because I was enjoying the match so much and I really wanted it to end cleanly. But we did kind of forecast that it was going to spill into Extreme Rules. So I'll let you off, WWE. I'll let you off. I loved how it would escalate at the end, though. Speaking of movesets and moves, Cesaro would bring in the table like he did last week, but this week he'd actually get to use it. They lay Biggie out on the table and then Cesaro powerbombs Kofi Kingston through the table on top of Big E. That was pretty cool. I love that too. And it goes to make you think, is this a step towards an Extreme Rules tag team match or Mm. is this going to be a absolutely insane match that none of us are going to expect? Is this going to take a different turn than what we expected? So all those questions were running through my head when I saw the end of this match. And I absolutely love the way the match ended because it didn't make anyone look weak. It kept us wanting more. And it kept your mind going about who should have won this match. Should it have been the New Day? Because they are champs. Or should it have been Cesaro and Nakamura? Because then they would become the new champs before Extreme Rules. And now I'm just looking forward to how Extreme Rules plays out. Me too. It's a cool build for it. I'd love to see some kind of Extreme Rules match. I'd like to see a tables match, to be honest. I think they're setting the scene for a decent tables match. And we've not seen one for ages. So... I'd be really up for that. Just thinking about it, looking ahead at Extreme Rules, how many Extreme Rules matches have been set? 
I know we've got a swamp match, but as far as I'm aware, I've not heard any extreme rules matches. I mean, I know there's a bar fight now, so that'll be no DQ. But I've not heard of any other kind of no DQ stipulations or false count anywhere or no disqualifications. In fact, that's the same as no DQ, so ignore what I just said. But yeah, any, <laughs> any kind of weapon-based match like tables, TLC, or a ladder match or something like that, we're yet to really hear in that perspective. So I predict that next week, that's what will happen. I reckon we'll get stipulation and a match set for extreme rules i think that we could possibly see stipulations of matches be announced on the day of the pay-per-view itself or the Ooh. superstars could say that this is now for example a extreme rules match or tables match or whatever but i'd really like to see how everything plays out with the storylines and i think that next week the story between matt riddle aj styles is going to intensify and we could possibly see a no contest in the end because that could lead up to extreme rules with baron corbin possibly coming into the mix and i just want to see how the new day and cesaro nakamura finish this rivalry going into extreme rules and how they build it up again on the day of the pay-per-view i agree with you and that kind of leads me on to my superstar of the night i found it so difficult this week because i thought at the beginning of the show i was like well it's definitely jeff hardy but then knowing what we've just talked about i've kind of just been swayed to giving it to cesaro and nakamura because i think they did such a good job in their interview really elevating their position as major players and legitimate champions but i kind of see them now as champions in the waiting as two random singles competitors that have been thrown together and that's no easy feat to do so kudos for that and then I thought their performance in a match was insane as well because they dominated most of it so I'm guessing they called most of it and then the table spot at the end I thought was awesome really exerted some dominance that's the scene I'm most excited about now on the back of this show I'm really excited about the tag team title scene for Smackdown and so they just edged it for me how about you I'm going to say Cesaro and Nakamura as well because they really cemented that position into the storyline and they've come out as the more dominant tag team despite the New Day holding that title for a very long time. They're on the way of dethroning the New Day from what I saw tonight and I'm also going to give my match of the night to the main event because it was absolutely amazing what they did at the end and how they're building up the story. Yeah, I agree with you. Definite match of the night. I think other competitors, if you want to talk about match and moment, would be Miss TV. I thought it was a really strong episode. I'd be hard-pressed to not acknowledge that because there was so much development in that storyline and the fact that they were able to weave Miz and Morrison in so effortlessly when they've got nothing to do with Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. So a shout out for that. Going forward, I know we've talked about some predictions. I think we'll definitely get a match set for Extreme Rules for the tag titles next week along with the stipulation. Probably be seeing some kind of fallout from the karaoke showdown between those four stars. Not that I'm really bothered, but we'll probably see it anyway. I hope we get an episode of SmackDown next week that is just an episode of SmackDown. I don't want any replays. Kind of over replays. What do you think is going to happen next week? Another karaoke showdown, maybe? No, oh, no, don't. Don't. <laughs> I'll be out. It'll be karaoke no down from me. I'll be out. <laughs> like, sorry. We'll just have to review the 40 minutes leading up to that moment on the podcast because I'll be switching off if it happens again. <laughs> but I think that we'll probably get a 
fatal four-way or just a elimination match between the women involved in the segment and possibly build up to extreme rules somehow because we did see Lacey Evans attack Naomi so that could be a potential singles match for extreme rules true and I think the card's pretty well built and the stories are really coming to a head I don't see that there's a need for that much at extreme rules I think that payoff would be next week like you say if there was a fatal four-way match or something that's interesting. Trying to keep a store within one show is a really good thing, I find, just before a pay-per-view. Because we know it's all coming. All the triggers are ready to be pulled. But to have that kind of self-contained storyline on one night actually would be quite a welcome thing. Because then it legitimizes the show. Otherwise, it's just more heat. And we know that's coming extreme rule so i'd be all right with that actually a fatal four-way would be nice definitely we're going to see aj defending the intercontinental championship against matt riddle i hope it's a good match i hope they just let them go for it we've said there might be an interruption from baron corbin but at least give them a good 10 minutes before that interruption what do you think well this is definitely going to be the main event next week and going into it like you said a good time limit on this match where it's just matt riddle and aj styles going against each other would be absolutely amazing because if there is going to be a distraction by Baron Corbin, I don't want to see it until the last five minutes of the match because that would be more of a statement. And just to have AJ Styles and Matt Riddle really go against each other, bite each other's heads off, really try to be the top dog that comes out of everything. I'm looking forward mostly to that. But obviously, AJ Styles is going to keep the title. Yeah, I hope so. I'd really love them to set a match for AJ and Brian again at Extreme Rules for the belt. Even if AJ's just going to win, their matches are gold. So I'd be really on board for that. There was talk from the commentary team that we'll see Braun and Bray next week potentially going face-to-face prior to Extreme Rules. So things do change a lot at the moment because of the whole corona situation. So it might not happen, but I think that's the plan. So we might see the Eater of Worlds come back down the ramp for the first time in a while. That'd be quite cool. That definitely would be cool. And I want to see how they kind of put the nail in this coffin going into Extreme Rules. And I want to see how they resurrect a version of Bray Wyatt that's been taken out for such a long time. And there's no doubt that Bray Wyatt's going to do an amazing job at this because he's an amazing guy and and he has the ability to pull off even the most impossible characters. So Braun Strowman being added to this and being a part of it, I'd say make Makes it more interesting because it's more of a mentor versus mentee type of situation now more of a mm. creator versus creation mm, so, i like it so who comes out on top is it the man who built frankenstein or is it frankenstein himself in this situation is it Bray Wyatt or is it Braun Strowman? Wow, honestly, I'm- what an analogy. You've been going to analogy school or something. <laughs> I love everything you just said. I'm hooked. You should cut promo for this match or something. Vince McMahon, you're missing out on all these analogies. I couldn't agree with you more, actually. I think it's a really good dynamic. Personally, my long-term prediction is that Braun's going to win and that that's going to unleash The Fiend and then The Fiend recaptures the belt at SummerSlam. I know we're kind of going off topic in terms of purely SmackDown, but what do you think about that idea? That could be done, or we could see the Eater of World turn into The Fiend at yeah. SummerSlam. Yeah. I just want to see The Fiend again. The Fiend's amazing. His entrance, yeah. his character. I was just going to say, yeah, anything involving Bray Wyatt is going to be gold, so I'm all for it. It's got the potential to be a good show next week. I hope they really amp up the atmosphere and amp up the pressure. This week felt a little bit stagnant. Like I say, it was almost as if Extreme World should have been this weekend, and 
they're kind of waiting for a bus and it's not quite here yet, but they know that if they go to the shop to get some chewing gum, then the bus is going to arrive. Do you know what I mean? And they're going to miss it. It just felt they were waiting about a little bit. Hopefully next week it's going to really escalate to a fever pitch to the point whereby when Extreme Rules happens, we're just going to be like, yes, I cannot wait for all these matches. So fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. Like Jeff Hardy says, hope is real, ladies and gentlemen. Hope is real. So in the words of Jeff Hardy, I'm optimistic about next week. I'm optimistic about everything going up to Extreme uh, Wow, Rules. everything. Just everything. <laughs> going around with rose-tinted spectacles, just like, everything is awesome. Like a movie. <laughs> I just really want to see how they play out Extreme Rules. And I'll be happy to see that our predictions and our thoughts somehow come into play next week and at Extreme Rules. Nice. I do like it when I'm right, but I also love it when I'm wrong and they do something awesome too. So if you've got predictions, please let us know via Instagram and Twitter. We love getting in touch with you on social media. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram. What are our handles, Shozy? On Twitter, you can find us at RealWrestleDude. And on Instagram, you can find us at the Gray. Yeah, awesome. So that just about does it for me. I'm looking forward to reviewing Raw with you next week in the build-up to Extreme Rules. And then we'll be back later in the week to do this again for SmackDown. We definitely will be. And if you can't handle the weight of your favorite podcasters coming back and reviewing Raw or SmackDown, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and a bunch of other podcasting platforms. All you have to do is search for The WrestleCast with Shozy, and you can do the same on Google. You'll be able to hear the many episodes of our reviews and interviews. And yeah, there's no excuse. The amount of platforms we've got, the ways you can find us through Google... There's no excuse. We're everywhere. We sure are. Thank you very much for joining us this week. My name's Joe. I've been Josie, and until next time. <laughs>